This program is brought to you from the Margaret Farrow Studio. Hello and welcome to Newsmakers. I'm your host, Lisa Pugh. Republican Representative Dave Murphy of Greenville has for several years now been leading the debate around diversity, equity, inclusion, and academic freedom on the universities of Wisconsin campuses. Early in 2024, he continues to challenge the system in his role as chair of the Assembly Committee on Colleges and Universities. We welcome Representative Dave Murphy to Newsmakers today. Thank you for joining us. Hello, Lisa. It's great to be here. So you had a seat on that Assembly Committee on Colleges and Universities since you took office. You've been chair since 2015. Can you help our viewers understand a little bit about the scope of work for your committee? So every bill that's related to higher education, and that would include the University of Wisconsin system, it would also include the technical college system, and also any legislation that would uh, pertain to um, private universities. Um, there are some bills, uh, for instance, our Wisconsin grant, grant program, um, where the private colleges are eligible for. Uh, so those kinds of things come before us. So I think for, for most of the public, perhaps, uh, terms like diversity, equity, inclusion, academic freedom really have, have kind of just come to the forefront within the last several years. But I know that for you, that's really been on your radar of concern since, the, the, since you were first elected back in uh, 20, 20, 2013, I think. Uh, why are those issues so important to you personally? Yeah, so I was elected in uh, the 2012 election and, and uh, was sworn into office in, in January of uh, 2013. Um, I started out initially, uh, the uh, leadership appointed me as the vice chair of the Colleges and Universities Committee, and after one term, I became the chairman. Um, I have been very interested in free speech issues and uh, diversity and equity and inclusion issues. Um, I worked very closely with the speaker um, this year on a, um, an agreement that we were able to come to with the university on uh, diversity, equity, inclusion, uh, trying to, to well, we really believe that diversity in the university needs to be more than about um, skin color and race and the like, and but also include diversity of ideas and opinions. And so we're trying to bring uh, more diversity at the university by uh, um, endowing a, uh, a chair of, of liberal studies that uh, really speaks to classical uh, education, classical liberal education. Um, and, you know, we were able to, to come to an agreement with them. Uh, you know, it was... There are some trials and tribulations along the way. Um, after uh, we made an agreement with uh, President Jay Rothman and uh, Chancellor Manukin was, was in on those discussions, um, the Board of Regents uh, voted it down. Um, I think after the fact, um, there, there's a number of people that, uh, you know, decided to take another look at it and they came back in and, and, and changed their mind on that. But 
you mentioned that as a as a challenging time. I for, for our viewers, just as a as a um, recall to that situation, that's agreement between uh, the legislature and, legislature and the universities of Wisconsin system that was asking for, in exchange for funding to the university and uh, pay raises to staff, was some recognition of um, some reduction in this focus on diversity, equity, and inclusion. And you and you talked about it being challenging. What would you say? Perhaps you learned through the course of that uh, debate and in that agreement? Well, I think I learned how strongly they are tied into that. Um, the universities? Think, yeah, the university is tied really strongly into this whole uh, idea of DEI. And, and I have to tell you, Lisa, nationally, DEI is really crumbling. Um, there was a very interesting debate, I believe it was held at Cornell University, uh, and that's probably about nine months ago or so. And there were two sides, uh, a pro-DEI and a, a, you know, sort of an anti-DEI uh, um, segment or, or, or team on that. And at the end of that debate, um, both sides agreed that DEI was seriously flawed and sort of their difference in opinion ended up being um, whether, whether it was fixable or not, not whether it was working or not. And uh, I, I just thought that was very interesting. Um, so is there something to, that you, is there something that you hope that the Board of Regents and the University of Wisconsin system learned through the course of that debate and the final agreement then? I would certainly hope so, but I'm not sure that's the case. And I was talking to a, um, a business owner recently, uh, head of a fairly large company, and uh, we were discussing DEI. And um, he said, he asked me how I saw it and, and what the problem was. And I said, well, I said, the issue here is, to me, to a great extent, is we are spending millions many millions of dollars on DEI programs. But I'm not seeing an improvement in the diversity, equity, inclusion on campus. If you went back 10 or 12 years ago to when I first got in the legislature, most of these positions did not exist. So are you looking at data on like entrance of students of color, graduation rates? Like what are you looking at when you say DEI isn't working? Well, I think... I think you could go back to all those things. I don't think we've had significant progress in saying that, well, now we have a lot more uh, uh, minority students or whatever. And one of the things I've said on that, and I think one of the problem areas is we're trying to solve this problem at the university level. It needs to be solved earlier. We need to have more high quality candidates coming from the minority, uh, from the minority uh, community to be able to, to go to um, these, these really high level universities, not trying to fix it when they're 18 years old. Um, it, it just doesn't work that way. Um, and I think the return on investment here, uh, and when you're talking to a businessman, of course, when you talk to them about return on investment, that's, that's something they get. Uh, strongly, and they, and they said, you know, if you went, if you spend millions of dollars year after year over ten or twelve years, and 
there is no significant improvement. And then I asked him the question, I said, do you think that racial, um, that the racial atmosphere on campus, do you think people are getting along better? Do you, do, do you see that improving? And he looked at me and said, no, he says, it's probably getting worse. And, and so, this is the point that, that I want to make is that we are not improving the situation and we're spending an awful lot of money to, to, uh, to not do that. <laughs> let's talk a little bit about some of your current work. I know tomorrow your committee is holding a hearing on AB 1064. That's a bill that would create an annual appropriation for the UW, UW Systems Free Speech Institute. It's called the Wisconsin Institute for Citizenship and Civil Dialogue. There's been yes. some criticism that that institute was created a year ago, but never funded by the UW system. Do you think mm -hmm. that the, the lack of funding for that institute demonstrates a continued lack of commitment to free speech on the part of the university? I, I wouldn't say that. And I don't want to go there at this point because um, you know, we've been negotiating with the university. We've been talking with them. Um, I, I don't think that they've been disingenuous with us in any way on it. Um, President Rothman has put uh, $250,000 towards it. I mean, that's, that's a, you know, that's a small start. And it allows them, uh, they were allowed to hire an, an interim director who is uh, Professor Tim Scheel. And, but, but to move Maybe this forward funding. and to make it a world-class sort of institute, um, the, the funding that's there just isn't going to do it. And to tell you the truth, I have a handshake agreement with, uh, with the UW system that if we put in 500,000, they would put in 500,000 more. And so the, uh, the, uh, the Institute for, uh, Citizenship and Civil Dialogue would actually get a million dollars more. And that isn't enough <laughs> to, to do really the work that they need to do because they're going to be, uh, they're going to be working on 13 campuses and it's pretty difficult to get yourself spread that thin. But it's a start. I know that- But it is, it's a much better start than what we have right now. Well, the Institute was created after a survey that's been talked about many times, fall of 2022, where 60% of conservative students felt uh, said that they felt pressure from their professors to agree with a specific point of view compared to 20% of liberal students who said the same thing. So do you think that us, you mentioned early in our interview here that you're not sure that um, the universities of Wisconsin system necessarily gets it or is making progress in on DEI. Do you think that a survey would show a, dis a different result today than it did back in fall 2022? Um, probably not. Um, you know, would there be any marginable, marginal uh, improvement? Maybe. Uh, it, it, it's really hard, though, uh, Lisa, to try to, you know, uh, have conjecture on whether whether that's that's happening or not. Um, the, the reason we do surveys and we do, uh, you know, we have uh, professors and in, in, in these groups doing research is to have real numbers instead of me trying to, you know, come up with something in my head. Do you think so, it's time for a new survey of students? Well, I think one of the things I've learned about government, Lisa, is um, 
we're not very patient. And what that means is there, there are many, um, many issues in which we will pass bills and pass bills and pass bills. And we didn't even figure out whether the first bill with them that we passed had any impact. And so I, I'm a little bit concerned about, about going too quickly. I think more than, um, more important than um, surveying students again, I think it would be more important to maybe look at other areas of the, of the academy and, and go and, and look into that. What are, the, what are the professors, what would the professors say? What would the administrators say? I wouldn't mind hearing uh, some feedback from, from both of those two elements. And I think um, the Wisconsin Institute for Citizenship and Civil Dialogue would be the, the, the people that would do that. Um, this past fall, the assembly passed a bill that you co-authored, AB 553, that would punish Wisconsin universities for free speech violations. I know that bill is waiting action in the Senate. It was amended to remove some uh, reduction in funding for um, for uh, grants, but now includes a tuition freeze on campuses. What, what's an example of a free speech violation that you have been concerned about that you think needs to be addressed through this legislation? First of all, Lisa, I would say that this bill is not about punishment. As a matter of fact, in putting this bill forward, I, I, I really don't expect any of our universities to be punished under this legislation, probably ever. I, I mean, but you put a bill out there and you, you feel like you have to have some teeth in it, some, some uh, enforcement mechanism. So you put in um, you know, a, a punishment, so to speak, but um, initially, we had the grant program as, as part of the punishment. We took that out because, you know, really in discussions, in hearings, in talking with my Democratic colleagues, they said, yeah, this probably isn't the best way to do that. Then somebody came up with the idea of, uh, of, of freezing the tuition for, for a period. And I thought, yeah, that probably is better. Taking grants away is, has too much of an opportunity to be a problem for students. And, you know, we just decided we didn't want to do that. Um, as far as the kinds of things that, you know, what are the kind of things that bother me? Um, well, certainly uh, the, the Matt Walsh event at UW-Madison uh, last spring is something that, that bothered me because that was a situation and, and very much a free speech issue in that um, the group that was promoting that event had gone around and put up posters around the campus. And a student teacher um, tore 40 of them down. And I, I think she actually was on social media doing that. And I mean, so we know th there is no question. <laughs> I don't think in anybody's mind that that's what happened. And yeah. The, that's the whole idea. And if you think about the name of the Institute, Citizenship and Civil Dialogue, what element of citizenship or civil dialogue would tearing down those posters come under? I mean, sure. I, I mean it's, and then 
I always have a little bit of a problem with the whole idea, the, the student teacher idea, because, you know, they're paid and they stand up in front of a classroom and then they're a teacher. But as soon as there's any issue, then they're a student. You know, they, they seem to want to have it, you know, whichever way works out the best, then they, seems, they use it that way. So. Seems like another issue for sure. Um, yeah. in, De in December, the UW system released their required annual report that they say demonstrates their commitment to academic freedom and freedom of expression. In that report, they said that there were just two violations of uh, expressive freedom that were reported, that they were investigated. And they also note in that report that, that in the last five years, there have been only seven reported incidents of freedom of expression violations across all 13 universities. When you hear that data, what, what does that say to you about what's happening on campuses? Well, it, it's sort of like, uh, you know, there are crimes that go unreported in, in other areas. And I think this is the same thing here. I've gotten more um, reports than seven myself in my office of people calling and say, Oh my God, this happened. Oh my God, that happened. And so, um, you know. There's I mean, under, there under reporting. Issue. Yeah. I mean, there was recently an issue with the UW Law School in uh, in some of the training that, we, that they were doing. And uh, people had to go through a DEI training at the, at the law school. And, and one comment or one uh, quote I can take out of their training that was particularly alarming to me. And it said, there are no exceptional white people. Now, I, I don't know why anybody would even say that. Um, would that be considered I, something to report in a free speech violation under I this think it would. policy? Well, and that's a good example, Lisa, because I'm saying that's something that should be reported. Will it be? I think there's a good chance that it won't. So do you um, think people that, know so... about it? It's sort of like the Matt Walsh, uh, Matt Walsh thing. Uh, everybody knows about that. Was that part of the report? I don't think so. And so the university, be... I know the university, when they've testified before your committee, they say they have this policy, the 421 policy that addresses free speech, that they investigate violations, that they take this seriously. Would you say they are not adequately enforcing that policy? Yes. And I believe, Lisa, I, and I've talked about this, um, you know, policies are wonderful, but if it's a stack of paper that you're opening the desk drawer and throwing it in, and it doesn't mean anything to you, um, you know, it's worthless. So. You know that we there's been declining enrollment across many of the um, campuses uh, over the last several years. Do you believe that a lack of intellectual diversity and academic freedom on campuses con is contributing to declining enrollment in some ways? I do, and I think uh, President Rothman has said the same thing. In, uh, in my committee, when he was testifying um, on free speech and on the free speech survey, uh, said that the biggest uh, issue with their decline in enrollment was the decline in the number of white males. And so, you and so you would that, contribute that to this whole uh, lack of diversity of opinion on campus? I, I think so. I think so. When you make certain groups of people feel like they're not as welcome as they should be, um, you, that that's what you're going to run into. 
You know, according to national polling, Americans are losing confidence in uh, the college system, in four-year degrees. Um, do you hear that from your constituents? And why do you think that people are losing confidence in higher education? Well, Lisa, I think that we've heard a lot over the years. There's a statistic about a college graduate earning a million dollars more over their lifetime than a non-college graduate. And I was at a conference in Washington. I serve on a, a national task force on um, student debt. And we we're meeting in Washington. We met with the Secretary of, of uh, Education, uh, Miguel Cardon. Um, and when we were talking about this whole idea that, that students are gonna make more, um, I said, well, doesn't isn't this really about what has happened in the past but not necessarily what's going to happen in the future so if somebody gets a college degree today i don't know if they're going to make a million dollars more i just know that they did you know 30 years ago i don't know if that's going to be the same and I, I think this is students are starting to question that a little bit and i think that's part of the reason um, why they're crushing the, the value of a higher education. And very much when we were doing our free speech um, hearings, we talked about not just free speech, but how free speech affects the quality of education. And that's, that's a critical factor. Um, you know, related to this confidence in higher education, last mm -hmm. week the Wisconsin Policy Forum uh, released some research that they've done kind of looking at workforce needs in Wisconsin. And they uh, said that their analysis showed that more than half of high paying jobs expected to be open each year in Wisconsin through 2030 will be in occupations that typically require a bachelor's degree. So there will be a demand in Wisconsin's workforce for people with higher education degrees. Is there some responsibility on the state or should the state be doing something more to promote um, four-year degrees in Wisconsin? Well, certainly um, during my tenure on the Colleges and Universities Committee, um, we, we implemented uh, an attainment goal and uh, Wisconsin has a 60% attainment goal. And what that means is 60% of our students would have either a four-year degree, a two-year degree, or a credential that was significant enough to impact their, uh, their earning ability um, during their, their career. And it is important to do that. Um, and this is where, to some extent, this is, this is DEI coming in and we have a lot of, um, you know, the, the black studies programs and some of those kind of things. Those don't lead to the kind of jobs that you're talking about. Um, they lead to, you know, if they're lucky, they lead to maybe a job within the, within the academy somewhere in, some, in a university um, uh, teaching, the, teaching these things to somebody else. But, uh, you know, they're not filling those workforce jobs that really need to, to be filled. 
Well, let's talk about your constitutional amendment. I know last week you testified yeah. about AGR 109, and that would prohibit state and local governments from uh, discriminating against or granting preferential treatment to people in groups based upon race, sex, color, ethnicity, or national origin in employment and hiring. What, what do you think is unfair about the hiring process currently? So I, I think this is where um, there is a battle in our society over what is the appropriate way for us to handle uh, racial issues in our country. Um, Dr. Martin Luther King said people should be judged by the uh, content of their character rather than the color of their skin. That's a colorblind sort of approach. But now we have another group of people that believe in critical race theory and critical race theory doesn't believe in, in a colorblind society. As a matter of fact, they go just the opposite and say, oh no, we have to, we have to uh, emphasize and we have to look at all these uh, color and racial and ethnic differences. And I think it causes more re resentment amongst the population. Um, I think it causes people not to get along as well. And the more that we can, we can go back to Martin Luther King's, I think, you know, utopia of colorblind society. Um, I think the more people are going to get along. And I think if you look at our country, people would love to, to be in a situation where people get along. The polarization is is bothering them. I mean, critical race theory adds to polarization. And people don't want that. Uh, you wrote in the uh, an opinion piece for the Appleton Post Crescent back in November, and you made some recommendations for the state. One of them was, you said universities are uniformly liberal and must begin reaching out to a broader pool of candidates. You specifically called out a concern for um, a represent, underrepresentation of racial and ethnic minorities among conservatives in faculty. What should universities be doing to reach out to diverse conservative faculty candidates? Well, I, I think they need to have the programs on campus. Um, if you say that they have to, I, I'm not trying to create affirmative action for conservatives. That's wrong. That's, that's, not, that's not any different than, than DEI is on the other side. So I don't want, that's not what I'm trying to do. Um, for instance, establishing the, the classical liberal uh, school at the UW-Madison um, then creates positions for um, classical liberal and conservative professors to be able to teach in an environment that I would say they feel uh, more comfortable in. They don't feel like they're, they're going to be attacked. Um, in your, in your so piece, I, I think you also... that that's, that's where we're trying to go with that. 
You know, in your piece, you also suggested that the university should create schools of civic literacy. You mentioned some examples in other states, Arizona, Florida, Tennessee. Are yeah. As we round out our time here together, I'm wondering, what else is on your radar? I know it's short in the session. Currently, there's not a lot of time left. But as you think about the future as potential continuing chair of this committee, what do you hope to do next? Well, I know quite a lot of professors. Um, I think I think uh, some of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle would be surprised at how much time I spend with uh, university professors. Um, now they they probably aren't the same university professors that they would hang out with, but uh, um, but there's an alarming number of uh, conservative professors at the UW Madison that are looking for jobs elsewhere. And there just aren't that many of them. Um, and uh, th that's heartbreaking. I mean, there's some of the absolute top people in their departments. Um, and and we risk losing them um, because uh, of, of some of the, the DEI programs and some of the uh, hiring uh, types of programs that are going on, some of the training types of programs. I had one professor that came to me and he was doing um, some uh, DEI training. And they said, it's not training, it's indoctrination. Um, he's taking a, he's supposed to be taking a test, but it's not really a test. It's an online um, uh, test that you have to answer every question correct or you can't go on to the next question. So do you see and, tackling some legislation related to that in the future or just something you'll be exploring further? It breaks my heart that you would have to make legislation to fix something that, that should fix itself. The university should fix that itself. I, I, I feel bad for them that they, they can't get that done on their own. Would I tackle that? Maybe. Uh, there, there might be bigger fish to fry, <laughs> so to speak. Uh, you, know, you can only do so much, but. Well, bigger fish to fry. We will <laughs> be watching for your next action. We certainly thank you for joining us on Newsmakers today. Thank you, Lisa. I appreciate it. And thank you to the viewers of Newsmakers. Be sure to tune in again as we highlight the issues and sit down with the decision makers who make a difference for all of us. You have been watching a production of Wisconsin Eye, your unfiltered window into legislative deliberations and public policy programming, where our mission is to provide Wisconsinites an opportunity to access the legislative process and connect with conversations that inform our citizenry. Please consider supporting our mission, and thank you for watching. Wisconsin Eye, policy made public.